0: Welcome to episode 156 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. This is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and this week I am once again joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard?
1: Uh, It's going well, Seth. How are you doing?
0: I am doing pretty wonderfully. It is an exciting time in Magic. We finally had Rivals of Ixalan released, which means we have kind of a super fresh tournament. almost feels like we just went through rotation with the bannings. So this week, we're going to be talking about tournament results in kind of the new standard Rivals of Ixalan standard format. Then we're going to transition into some MTG Arena talk. They did a stream and posted some articles going over the economy of MTG Arena. So we'll touch on that a little bit as well. And then, of course, wrap up with a bunch of fish mail questions. So, Richard, have you been keeping up on the new standard meta at all? What's your first take on this post banning Rivals of Ixalan standard?
1: Yeah, so we we've had a few results. So it was actually strange because we didn't have a large... Tournament focused on the new standard. Usually when standard comes out you get like an SEG event followed by a Grand Prix Uh, but we didn't have any of that this time. What we had was a team constructed event uh, Which means you get a player playing legacy a player playing modern and a player playing standard So those results aren't aren't too good because it's possible that the standard player just lost every single match And their teammates carried them to first place. (laughs) So (laughs) you got to take that record with a grain of salt. Uh, We have the SEG Standard Classic, which is uh, the side event they usually have along with the SEG Main Event. And we had a large Moto PTQ. And then we had a couple, you know, 5.0 daily deck lists. Overall results, uh, I got some bad news. Energy is still a thing. (laughs) Uh, It's now Grixis Energy. Uh, so Grixis energy seemed to dominate the the PTQ. Uh, at the SEG standard event, we see a lot of old favorites, mono-red aggro, uh, Mardu vehicles. So, I'm not seeing a lot of dinosaurs, I'm not seeing a lot of merfolk or vampires. Seth, you, you've actually been playing the format on Moto. What, what does it feel like? Do these results uh, look like what you're experiencing online?
0: So, yes and no. I think it's easier, I think, to transition decks on Magic Online, so I have definitely been seeing vampire decks, I've been seeing a reasonable amount of merfolk decks, I've been seeing dinosaurs, but not actually dinosaur decks so much as uh, decks that are, like, dinosaur-influenced, or play like some dinosaurs, but are more like the green-red monsters list that has kind of taken off recently. Uh, pirates I haven't seen really at all. I have not seen anyone playing Pirates, so I feel like the format I've seen does have more Rivals of Ixalan in it than these tournaments do, but I think that might be just because it's really quick and easy to change decks on Magic Online compared to Paper, and the results that we're seeing in Paper are a lot of decks that people probably already had the cards for, honestly. Like, Griggs' Energy, if you've been playing Energy, playing Standard, you probably have these cards. Mardu Vehicles was the best deck in the format six months ago, so people probably still have their Heart of laying around. Same with Esper Gifts has kind of been floating in the Tier 2 range for a long time. So I feel like the new stuff is there, and I'm definitely seeing it, but it might take a little while longer, another week or two to really filter into the paper metagame full force
1: yeah and uh just to dive down into grixis energy what does it look like uh well glint sleeve siphoners been going nuts on magic online everyone's picking up this uh as your card advantage card and then we have the controversial ravenous chuka chuka something chuka 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 chupacabra chuka, chuka pocket chuka mcoups <laughs> i don't know i can't pronounce this Choops uh Coops, Ravenous yeah. Troops, Necrotal, and then of course everyone's favorite, the Scarab God, and then the other blue finisher Torrential Gear Hulk. And uh it looks like the man wasn't hit that bad. Basically they're like we don't need the we don't need a tune with ether. We don't need green. We're just going Grixis and we'll just play all of the overpowered cards in one deck and energy is still around.
0: I Okay, so yes, it is. Energy is still around. Grixis energy If you had to pick one deck that's the best deck right now, that would probably be the correct pick. But at the same time... It's a little unfair to characterize it as energy in the same sense as, like, the teamer energy decks where just every single card says energy on it. If you really look at these decks, they're basically, like, Grixis mid-range decks that have some light energy synergies. Like, you got Glint Sleeve Siphoner, usually some Whirler Virtuoso, but Whirler Virtuoso is like, making a Thopter or two. We're drawing you a card with Glint Sleeve Siphoner, not making... you know six or seven thopters and killing your opponent and then maybe harness lightning so you have like a very minimal number of energy cards like these light energy synergies but you're really like this mid-rangey somewhat controlling grixis deck with chupacabras and scarab gods and glory bringers and gantis so while yes it's Energy it's not energy like we were seeing with teamur energy where the goal was just make as much energy as possible and trust it like energy will be your payoff. Energy is more like this support mechanic, I think, in these decks. Yeah,
1: so what you're telling me is wizards should have actually banned energy from deck names. <laughs> yes. This is this is Grixis mid range. Uh, as I like to call it, the better Jund than Jund, and I'm super <laughs> salty. <laughs> but it's basically just the best creatures and the best spells thrown in, and there's a little energy sub-package in here.
0: I've played against the deck. I haven't played with it. I've played against it a few times, and I think it's good, but... I, it doesn't feel oppressive to me, at least so far, in the way that Teamer Energy did, where you're just like, oh my god, it's a long tusk cub, after a tune with Ether. I lose on turn two. Like, it doesn't have as much of a feel-bad. It's actually kind of like long, interactive games, almost as if you're playing against a Grixis control deck, and it has a lot of really powerful cards. Like is still insanely powerful, Scarab God, insanely powerful, but it feels like a relatively fair game of Magic, just with a lot of really powerful cards involved.
1: Alright, uh, so last week you gave us your, your power rankings of Dex to Hate, and you said Boggles <laughs> is not to be worried about. Boggles is no longer on your hit list, so of course <laughs> everyone said let's build Boggles now. Seth, can you tell me about the new Standard Boggles?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Standard Boggles, or Blue-White Auras, or whatever you want to call it. The deck is super obnoxious. I've played against it a few times on Magic Online. Uh, it put up a third-place finish at the SCG Classic in the hands of Jim Davis. And basically, you're playing aggressive white creatures that are hard to deal with. Like, Adanto Vanguard is, like, pseudo-indestructible. Adorn Pouncer comes back for the graveyard. You got Sram as a card advantage engine, just like, uh, oh, man, Core. What is the card draw in modern boggles? Do you know what, you know what Spirit I mean? Core walker? Spirit walker, Spirit yes. Walker? It, I, or spirit dancer, spirit I think, dancer, yeah. yeah. So Sram is basically the core spirit dancer, and then you're just playing like cartouches, you're playing curious obsessions, and just trying to like make your Danto Vanguard into this boggly threat, giving it flying, pumping it, and just killing your opponent. So it—I don't know if it's like devastating. There definitely are answers. Um, it's made me want to play. Oh no. I'm doing horrible with card names today. The new uh the new disfigure card, the two mana disfigure uh, that gains you two that gains life, two like life. Yeah. yeah, if you have that in your sideboard, it's much uh easier to deal with. But if you're just on the fatal push plan, uh yeah, you lose a lot of games to Adono Vanguard. That card is very hard to deal with. So Richard, uh one of the decks that's been near the top of the format is basically Hazaret Red, I guess, Ramanomp Red without having the Ramanop Ruins package. So do you think this is basically gonna be one of the best decks in standard even after being targeted with two cards getting banned is that how good the red deck is in this format
1: i I think so because it's just it's just like the games where you don't draw your deserts (laughs) you you just play (laughs) the same stuff like ferocidon apparently is not important and uh you know your deck is slightly worse but they took out the best deck in the format so it's it's fine i guess uh What's sad is some of these lists don't even play any rivals of Ixalan cards whatsoever. Like, we we had, like, the aggressive one-drop, uh, so we, we no one tried to go pirate or anything. Uh, we're just slamming Hazoret's and Glorybringers and Oncrop Crashers, uh, Earthshaker Kendras. Basically, all the stuff we loved or hated about Mono Red is still here, and the deck is what it is. Uh, part of it? is what you said like people still have their old standard decks so if you're just showing up to the scg standard classic meta game is in flux you don't want to invest too much money just just play mono red right we always say after rotation the best deck is mono red or an aggressive deck we kind of had a rotation with the banning of the top cards in the format so so i'm not sure i think mono red was just more favored and more likely to be played Uh, this weekend. We'll we'll see how it goes going forward, but the deck is strong. Uh, At the end of the day, Hazoret is still Hazoret. Glorybringer is still Glorybringer, so it, it will be a strong deck going forward, I think
0: yeah I agree I think that that red is still there and we we have seen some new stuff out of the rivals of Ixalan cards I think the biggest breakout is actually somewhat surprisingly because we might have underrated this card a bit but Rekindling Phoenix has been making his presence felt in a bunch of different deck lists uh Ravenous Chupacabra is I think the number one most played card at the moment from the set also Jade Light Ranger is showing up as kind of like the new rogue refiner even some of the mid rangey decks it used to be kind of like Teamer energy are less energy now but still have jade light ranger as their three drop get value when it enters the battlefield thing so we're seeing some new things but i'm really hopeful the metagame seems fairly wide open at this point and while that'll probably change as we get more tournaments i think we will start to see more rivals of exic line cards uh seeping in because there is like a real card availability issue when the set releases on friday and you got to play a tournament on saturday you either have to just you know pay the pay the pauper Piper? Popper. <laughs> Paper, <laughs> and, Popper, uh,
1: Piper, Grand Prix, Popper.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you either gotta pay the inflated prices on release weekend, or just play your old cards and wait for the prices to go down a little bit, so...
1: Yep, I agree.
0: Uh, so, any other thoughts about our fresh new standard meta, Richard? Are you, overall, are you happy? Like, looking at this, I know it's only one week, not a lot of data to go off of, weird tournament structures with the team thing, but... Are the bannings working right now? Just uh, after week one, are you happy?
1: Uh, I I think overall I'm happy. I mean, it's it's good that right now it's wide open. Uh, people are brewing. New decks are popping up. But at the same time, Rivals cards are not really showing up. We're still seeing uh, Kaladesh and Amaket cards kind of dominate standard. So hopefully it is an availability thing. Hopefully people are still getting their stuff together and we see a resurgence uh, or, you know, an uptick in Rivals Vixlon cards because I'm still waiting for that sweet Merfolk deck to just take down a tournament. <laughs>
0: Well, like, in fairness to Merfolk, though, it, it, it is putting up some results. I think on our metagame page right now, it's in the top maybe six decks or something. It didn't really break out in paper this weekend, but it has been putting up some 5 O's, and it is, it's close. So I feel like out of all the tribes from Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan, Merfolk is the one that's closest right now to actually being a legit tier deck.
1: We just need a we just need another another wave of bannings if we can get there.
0: <laughs> well, we got another BNR in February, I think, so. <laughs> just ban cards until Merfolk is the best deck and then everyone's happy. Yep.
1: I think the professor <laughs> would agree with me here. I, I think we need to start a petition.
0: <laughs> uh people love merfolk for some reason i think i underestimated how much people like that tribe i don't really understand why like I th- merfolk are fine but i didn't realize that they're like one of the most popular tribes it feels like uh in all of magic
1: they are like one of the original tribes lord of atlantis right
0: that's true that's true so any other thoughts on the standard richard or should we move on to mtg arena
1: yeah let's uh Let's go to our monthly segment, complaining about (laughs) Magic Online slash Uh, Wizards Digital slash (laughs) Arena. (laughs) Uh,
0: So we had a big announcement this week uh, as far as the MTG Arena economy. And I know you put together a little update for the website, Richard. So why don't you fill everyone in on kind of just like the main themes of that update, if they haven't heard about it yet. Yeah,
1: so they they started pushing out uh, tests of the economy for Arena so here. Here's the summary of it. You're gonna have two in-game currency Coins and gems you can earn coins by playing the game. Gems are bought with real money. So think of gems as actual dollars uh, Booster packs contain eight cards five commons two uncommons one rare or mythic uh, The price for buying a booster bo- with real money the gem price is not known but it's not going to be related to paper boosters in any way. So it, it's not going to be $4. Uh, draft packs will contain 14 cards like paper. The the basic land is removed. So for drafting, you have normal magic packs. Uh, you can earn individual cards through gameplay. And they're testing something where you can earn up to 30 cards a day. So I imagine this is something like you play a match at the end of the match. They're like, yeah, first match of the day have a random uncommon or something like that. Uh, Wild cards are a new thing they're bringing in. So a wild card has a rarity. So it's either common, uncommon, rare or mythic. And you can exchange it for any other card of the same rarity. Uh, You can open these in booster packs and they're also awarded uh, through various mechanisms. So for example, if you open a mythic wild card, you can exchange it for a Hazaret or a Scarab God, or something like that. So it's basically uh, any card of that rarity. And the last thing they talked about was the Vault, which is... it looks to be the crafting slash duplicate mechanism here. Uh, Anytime you'd open a fifth version of a card, your Vault Meter increases. When it's full, you get a reward. And right now the rewards uh, are Wild Cards and uh so, you know there, there's some key differences here you have to have four versions of a card before your your vault actually uh, increases so you can't just open one blood moon or something and exchange it you actually have to open the fifth blood moon so there there's some minor subtleties there but that's the new crafting slash exchanging mechanism and out of all of this news there's no trading uh, everything is you earn your own cards. It seems like none of this stuff is tradable whatsoever. So, that was a whole lot of information, but they didn't give us any rates. <laughs> we don't know how much any of this costs. Uh, you know, is a booster pack ten gold, a thousand gold, five hundred gold? Is it a dollar, five dollars, fifty cents, ten cents? We don't know. So it's just the mechanisms, but we don't know the actual money behind it, so it's hard to determine, you know, how much a deck will cost, or how much will it cost to draft, or things like that, because they just did not give us that information yet.
0: Uh, So it's a lot of news, and also not that much news. So uh, we got to learn quite a bit. We know how they're trying to make all this happen. But the information isn't really all that valuable without knowing, like, drop rates on wild cards and how much this stuff actually costs. Like, I could see this system that they're talking about being very good and beneficial for players and really easy to use and a good system. Or I could see it being really prohibitively expensive and hard to get decks. It really depends on how often you're getting those wild cards. I know... The main thing I think I was disappointed about is they don't let you just craft any card. I think the restriction of having to keep four of a card that you'll never use to be able to start crafting additional copies to get cards you would use, that part's pretty disappointing to me. I know I watched the live stream for it, and their justification was basically, we we don't want people to have to dust their cards uh, to destroy them to get new cards because it feels bad. And we're going to try to have all these formats. So all your cards are useful, and we're going to do all these cool things. But I still, I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of cards that aren't good for anything. I don't know how you make a format that makes some random 1-7 for 4 mana dinosaur. Like, why would I ever need that card? Like, what format can you possibly create that requires me to have 4 copies of that card in my collection? The Doran so-
1: format. <laughs> but, but I agree with you. That... Morrow has said they make bad cards on purpose so that when you open a good card, you know it's good, right? By definition, they they, they just make bad cards that aren't usable. So it's it's just not consistent with what they're saying. And and why are they telling me how to play, right? Like, if I don't want any of these cards, just let me get rid of them. You know, Uh, it's kind of like the Moto problem where you can't delete cards. And you just end up with like 600 of this comment, and you're like, why Bodo? <laughs> like, just let me right click and discard. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. The, the big thing I saw though, the community in general, or at least a, a very vocal part of it, was the lack of trading. No trading whatsoever. You know, Magic the Gathering, the TCG... Uh, is actually not a trading card game. It's a collectible card game in the digital world. <laughs> so no trading, set. Is this the downfall? Is this what actually made Magic Magic? The, the act of trading is the going away from this and moving towards crafting or dusting or vault meter. Uh, is that is that a bad thing?
0: Man, well... For me, yes. I like trading. I mean, I think I'm in the minority here, but I like the Magic Online economy. I I know that it's expensive, but I've been using it for a long time back before I was doing content, and I see the upsides in it. I like the fact that, yes, it costs more up front, but you can always get value back out of your cards rather than having untradable cards locked in. That just feels like a, a money sink. If you put $500 into Magic Online, you always have this like justification of oh i could always get 400 dollars back out of there if i had to when just like in paper magic if you buy a ton of cards you have that kind of like safety net and not being able to trade or get any value out of your cards is is a little bit disappointing i don't know if it's necessarily a deal breaker i think that people if it's easy enough to acquire cards, people will be accepting of Magic Arena even without trading. That's for me that's just a big thing. How easy is it going to be to get cards? Do you get one wild card, mythic wild card every 40 packs or something ridiculous or are you getting one every 5 packs or whatever? Like how how easy is it actually going to be to build a tier deck? Cuz I know I feel like this announcement is very good for casual free to play players. Like I feel like if how you want to play Magic is you get on for free, you play a few hours a week or whatever, maybe after 3 months or 6 months or something, you grind your way into Mardu vehicles or Grixis energy for free. Like this system probably works very very well for those type of players. They talked about having a lot of free to play rewards. I'm sure most of them when you like win a match you get a free card. I'm sure they're going to be random commons for the most part. I don't know what the rarity of mythics or rares will be on those rewards but i assume it's pretty low but if you just want to play for free and get a bunch of random commons and kind of just like experience magic that way it's probably a pretty good system on the other hand i'm really concerned about if you want to like get on and play a tournament deck like some people were talking about on social media and i kind of fall into the same place that they have more money than they do time basically and they want to just be able to like hey i might want to buy mardu vehicles and go play this optimal version of the deck and it doesn't feel like that mechanism is built into the system again it depends on the wild cards if you're getting them at such a great frequency that you buy 100 packs and that lets you dust essentially into a tier deck that would be great but based on having to own four of a card before the dusting starts and all that stuff it feels like you're going to have to buy a lot of packs it's going to cost a lot of money to actually just buy a tier one deck without spending hours and hours grinding
1: yeah you make a, a, a lot of points there so let me let me ask you a question if we could trade but you weren't allowed to sell digital products for money would that be okay Right, so I guess this is like the Pokemon TCG model, you can trade with anyone you want but as soon as you link it with a dollar transaction, let's say a bot chain, wants to sell cars for money, they'll go and ban your account. Right, so effectively you get trading but you don't get the ability to cash out, you don't get the ability to, you know, have bots run services to help you build your decks and buy them and stuff like that. Would would that solve anything?
0: assuming that cards were cheaper to make up for the fact that you're spending uh, real money for something that you never get real money back out of uh, so if the if the prices of the cards were reflected in that i think that would be a big step in the right direction i know you've mentioned before like an auction house or something along those lines like i think there's definitely ways to have trading and still not have the real world economy part of it. And I think that those systems would be a lot easier. Like my big concern, and I said this way back in, I don't know, November, whenever I wrote my article about my questions for arena, like my number one thing is, can I just like give you X amount of money and have deck Y? Like, that's what I want out of magic. And I don't feel like that's built into the system. The answer is no
1: Seth, (laughs) because if you do that, uh, so if if Watsi does that directly, it means they're assigning card value or value to the cards inside, which then makes it gambling, right? The the reason why Watsi never talks about card prices, you know, never does any of that, is they're afraid of getting hit by gambling restrictions. So there there will never be a time where you can go to the store and buy a Hazaret for ten bucks off Watsi. I can almost guarantee it. Like they, they will not ever do that. If you want to do that, the only hope is that Watsy puts up a marketplace so that someone else can put it up for sale. You know, they can assign the value to that card, and you buy off them. Basically, card hoarder, right? So Watsy, if they wanted the ability to exchange for real money, they could do uh, an auction house or a marketplace where, for example, anyone can list a card. For any amount of real dollars, so I could put up a hazarette for ten dollars, and when it gets sold, Wizards takes a cut, they take five percent, ten percent. They have they essentially become the TCG player marketplace, and they get a cut of the entire secondary market. The problem with doing this is, though, it's hard to give out free stuff, like they can't give out a you know a hazarette, you know, for the first time logging into your account because that hazarette is actually worth money and people will cash out. Right? They're basically printing US dollars at that point, which uh, they, when you have an economy, you, you don't want to do that.
0: So, yeah, it's so, it's the Puka trade. Oh, the Puka okay. Trade yeah, technique. Yeah. So they can
1: go from TCG player <laughs> to the Puka trade format, for where you start printing free money into the economy, which is not good at all. So so there are pros and cons there. I, I like the existing Moto marketplace of being able to take your money back out, right? If If I'm going to put $1,000 into this game, which is a ludicrous amount of money, but like a third of a legacy deck or something, right? (laughs) I would like the ability to take my money back out. You know, when when stuff goes bad in life, when my car breaks down, you know, when I need money for something, I would like to know that I could liquidate part of my collection and get something back from it, as opposed to having, you know, magic in-game currency that I can never use ever again. But Moto as is kind of sucks. Right, it's actually built by the community. When you buy a car, you know, a deck from a website, that's that's like MTG Goldfish, that's Card Hoarder, right? The cards are delivered to you by bots built by Card Hoarder. <laughs> uh, if you actually tried to build a deck on Magic Online using only Wizard stuff, it would be the most horrendous experience. Like you have to sit <laughs> on the market boards, trade, you know, for four Hazarets for four Glory Bringers. You'd have to do this all manually. It would take you. Literally like weeks to assemble your deck, right? And you know, it's just today we have all of these third-party sites that kind of come in and make it seamless, right? It's actually magical that you, you know, you watch against the odds, see the deck, click a button, and two minutes later, it's sitting in your Mono account, right? But none of that is built by Wizards. It's all built by other people. So if you take that all away, and what Wizard actually built is actually pretty unacceptable. So I, I they, if they want to take this marketplace, they got to do the whole thing which means in-game marketplace, in-game auction house, take a cut of it. But I, I just think Wizards doesn't want real money whatsoever. It opens up to gambling. Uh, you know, they there's different security needed. Like they, if they're just handling actual money, they got to do it differently. It's just a whole bag of worms. I think they're going to go, you know, lock you into their digital currency or whatever and make it cheap enough that you don't care. Right? If you say say Moto, the spread is 30%. If you buy in at $1,000 and you take your money back out, that's $700. Uh, that means you lost $300 or you spent $300 to play the game. If Wizards makes the price of the equivalent thing on Arena just $300, it should be the same, theoretically. Uh, so if they make it cheap enough, you know, if a Tier 1 standard deck costs $10, uh, no one's gonna care <laughs> that they lost ten dollars. They're like, yes, right. But if they make a tier one standard deck five hundred dollars, people are gonna be, you know, I could buy a PS four Pro and a couple games, <laughs> or I could buy one deck of Magic that lasts like six months. So uh, it's like a balancing act that Watsy will have to
0: do. And that's, I mean, that's the other concern is uh, Magic has rotation. Like in Hearthstone, they have rotation, but you are able to get rid of your rotating cards for other cards. So Wizards is basically requiring people to have full play sets of everything to be able to get the cards they want, and then knowing that in a year that playset is, it's gone, like, it, that way you gotta start all over from scratch, it's not like, oh, your full account of uh, Ixalan cards, or I guess Kaladesh is a better example, like, when rotation hits in the fall, it's not like though that full account upgrades to the most recent standard set, you're back to scratch and spending tons of money to be able to get your cards again, so, I don't know, I have some concerns, I felt like... The minimum I was expecting from Arena was basically the Hearthstone system. And this feels like it's... A, a more convoluted, harder-to-get-the-cards-you-need system than Hearthstone to me. So I think that's mostly where I was disappointed. They were pretty clear. I wanted training. I'm fine with the moto economy. I wanted an auction house. Something like that where you can just get the singles you need. That was my dream. But I figured like the minimum would be just Hearthstone-style crafting. And somehow Wizards managed to just like make strictly <laughs> more convoluted and expensive and harder Hearthstone-style crafting.
1: Uh, Hearthstone's not good enough. If you read the hearthstone subreddit people complain ad nauseum about the cost of hearthstone and how hard it is now right when there was one to two expansions you were good to go right you could just buy the packs buy your one expansion and then build a tier one standard deck now there's just too much stuff you need to buy that it's actually pretty expensive and you have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it to stay relevant so that, that is a big issue. So, you know, being Hearthstone alone is not good enough. You need to fix the problems that Hearthstone has, which, good luck, right? Blizzard has been making free-to-play games for quite a long time. They're world-class game makers. And then you have WotC, whose greatest product is Magic Online. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how they're going to do it, but but that's that's going to be a big problem, right? They, they can't just copy Hearthstone. It's not good enough. They have to fix it. And Magic itself has different constraints, right? Because in Hearthstone, you need one Legendary, right? In Magic, you need four, right? So there there are other problems with this as well. And eventually, you know, Magic will have Modern, Legacy, you know, whatever. They have all these old formats. I am not going to buy every Magic card in existence to play Legacy, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) that's not happening. How can I get the cards I want? You know, I don't want to collect my eighth wasteland or something before I can dust them, right? Like, so yeah, magic has its own set of problems and Watsi needs to look beyond Hearthstone and actually solve them instead of just copying everyone and, and kind of playing catch up.
0: So, how bad is the current system? Like, we're still in beta. Things can still change. Uh, I don't know how open... I'm sure, like, the rates and stuff are adjustable. I don't know how open they are to just, like, oh, we're going to put it in an auction house, or we're going to allow trading. They haven't sound open to, like, overhauling the whole system, but you never know. So how bad is... Not knowing the rates, which we just don't know yet, how good or bad is the current system?
1: I think it's okay. Uh, I, I think this is what will happen, okay? they'll They'll, they'll release it. People will complain, people will be this is too expensive, this is too ridiculous, you know, I can't afford to play standard, and then people will post meme posts of like, how many tacos I can buy for a tier 1 standard deck, and then Watsy will release an article, say, we listened to your feedback, we cut all the prices, and they drop the prices down. So that maybe a tier one standard deck costs a hundred dollars instead of two hundred dollars. And then, you know, as an added bonus, people who've had a moto account for a year or something will get a hundred packs of Dominaria. Or or, you know, maybe five mythic wild cards or something. They'll just give free stuff to appease people and get them to play Magic Arena. And then six months later, everyone will forget and prices will slowly rise and we'll all be locked in and We'll just play Arena, <laughs> like I I I'm pretty sure that's what's gonna happen. Kind of like Hearthstone, right? Hearthstone was really cheap to to start. Now it's kind of expensive, but you're already locked in, right? You're you're already addicted. Like you just might as well keep going. A- another key thing to make note of is Magic Arena has to be cheap, but it has to be cheaper than Hearthstone as well, right? So we're not only looking at the Magic economy, right? We're looking at it compared to Hearthstone, which it's going to be quite interesting because we have the magic paper economy, too. So Arena has to somehow balance all three of this. Make it too expensive, everyone will just play Hearthstone. Make it too cheap, why play Paper? Right? So good luck, WotC, right? Like, you're, you're going to need to balance this somehow. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Because people will just play Hearthstone like they do today, right? Magic Online sucks too much, play Hearthstone. Magic Arena costs too much, play Hearthstone. So... Uh, I, I don't know. It's tough.
0: So here's here's another question for you. While we're on the topic, so they one thing they announced, and I think you mentioned this, is draft packs and drafting are fourteen cards, so it's like a real pack, but they're also non-phantom. So you get to keep the cards that you draft. So Hearthstone limited is buck uh, fifty, buck ninety nine, something like that to do an arena run, but you don't get to keep the cards. Magic Online is. You know, 10, 12 bucks, but that's not including your prizes. So what price point are you expecting? Like you just want to pay money to get in a draft. How much would, how much do you think it'll be and how much would make you happy? Where should it be?
1: Uh, So definitely not $12. Definitely not the moto price. like five bucks. I, I don't know. It has to be cheap because this stuff is locked in and, you know, we we can't just incinerate money, right? It depends on how much free gold you get every day. That I mean, That's the real question. Like, how many days of free stuff do you need before you can play a draft? Uh, but in terms of real money, I think no more than five bucks.
0: Yeah, I think that... And even that, like, it's so hard because it goes back to what you were saying, like five bucks but then hearthstone is is under two dollars so are you really gonna lure over like if the goal of arena is to get these new casual or like hearthstone players that aren't willing to get on magic online probably don't play in paper like if you're choosing which game you're gonna download are you gonna choose five dollar a draft magic arena are you gonna choose two dollar a draft uh hearthstone which is already has a leg up because it's the most well-known of the digital card games, like it's already starting out ahead. It's like your Wizards is trying to take on Amazon or something with a startup <laughs> to some extent, and like so you're already starting off behind, and you're gonna price it twice as much for the comparable product. And I don't know if those people, the the casual like new players, are they gonna do the EV calculation, be like, oh well, I get to keep the cards in this one, so actually that's sort of cheaper than it looks. And if they are, then you're getting into the moto territory where I can make good arguments a draft for dollars on Magic Online when you include prices and you include EV, but most people don't think that way and want to run through this complex EV calculation when they choose like what, what draft they're going to play. So uh, I don't know how they can hit a price point that's going to make people happy. I don't know if it's even possible. We already
1: know people don't do EV calculations. Most people think whatever money I put in is lost forever and it better get me the entertainment I want, right? Because if you did this, everyone would know Legacy is like the cheapest format, Uh, you know, followed by modern and then standard, but no one ever does this, right? Everyone's just like, oh my god, $2,000 for a legacy deck, too expensive, right? And rightfully so, right? You shouldn't need a spreadsheet to enjoy your hobbies, right? You should be able to look at it and be like, "Uh, can I afford this? Yes, no, and then play, right? So the fact that they're non-Phantom, I think is a big mistake, right? Because you need to calculate the value of the cards you're going to open, offset that from... The price you pay keep a spreadsheet of ev and it's just like too complicated uh to do and it makes gameplay unfun right if you open a pack and there's a mythic that you need for your standard deck that is terrible for your limited deck you're you're priced into foil goyfgate, right you're priced into taking that mythic for your deck uh because this is non-phantom you can't play the optimal way, you need to go, you know, money draft. And I think that's a pretty negative aspect of the game, and I don't know why they would kind of force this in. So, that that kind of sucks.
0: I'm actually really concerned that Limited is going to be very bad for that exact reason, because... The system, it doesn't, like, on Magic Online, if you open a $20 Mythic, you're incentivized to rare draft it, but most of the cards are relatively valueless, so there's not a reason to rare draft a one-cent rare, because you can get it for one cent, but on Arena, with the dust system, where you need four of a card before you get to start dusting, it actually incentivizes people to just rare draft any rare possible just to have that rare in your collection so you can eventually get to the dusting part of it so you can eventually start getting the cards you want so i feel like it feels like the ev is heavily tilted towards rare drafting like crazy in drafts (laughs) uh, uh, on arena way more so than paper or on magic
1: how funny would it be if after we run all the numbers the most optimal way to build a standard deck is to join 20 drafts Take all the cards <laughs> you want and drop <laughs> you 're like uncommon drafting, You're like oh okay, lingering souls yeah. so i 'll take this <laughs> and then just drop to build your standard deck.
0: Oh, well, hopefully they make some tweaks at least because i 'm personally and I know my situation and how I want to play is a lot different than someone who wants to just free to play and the system doesn't appeal to me right now with what we know about arena. And of course this is subject to change when we see the drop rates and all that stuff. But I imagine that right now for me, arena would probably take over the time that I whittle away playing Hearthstone because I play Hearthstone because it's, quick and casual and easy and it doesn't require that much thought so i assume that arena would just take over that because i like magic way more than hearthstone but with this system i can't imagine for like serious testing and grinding that it would take over any of my magic online time personally
1: really if you had the entire magic arena uh collection because you know someone like say me <laughs> bought it for you <laughs> would you not be playing arena instead of moto for anything you could be uh, like why would you ever play moto like why would you play standard and moto if standard on arena is there and you have all the cards
0: well i think yeah i guess i'm going at it from the perspective of Outside of my job, I guess if I didn't have, if my job wasn't to make magic content and you would buy all the cards for me, if I was just random like semi pro level player who uses magic online for their testing and is trying to like win PTQs to make it to the pro tour and can't just be like, oh, okay, here's you know three thousand dollars to buy enough packs to get every single card that's legal and we'll do this again six months from now at rotation. Like, if I was a normal person, I don't think I would play this system that way. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. I I, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I'm almost positive Wizards will give out God accounts. Uh, They already do it for the coverage team, basically an account with all the items in it unlocked for promotional purposes. So they'd give it to, you know, Channel Fire of All-Star City Games, hopefully us, (laughs) and we wouldn't have to buy all the cars. But for everyone else, right, for the grinders who aren't sponsored right they kind of need to buy all the standard cards right Uh, if they want to be able to swap between decks try new things and to them i think that's the biggest hit because the casual free-to-play players well they're free to play anyway or they weren't gonna play so it's not too much of a cost but for the person that wants to play you know wants to run the gauntlet wants to play the top three standard decks they're gonna have to buy all of standard and that's gonna be expensive And that's going to be expensive the first time, but remember, Standard rotates their new sets. Over time, it's going to add up and get worse and worse and worse, so those people get hit the hardest uh but unfortunately they're the minority right there's not that many of those people so i think wasi's kind of gonna sweep them under the rug
0: so i think if i had to make a request now like the dream scenario would be some sort of actual trading slash auction house but the more practical thing that i think wizards could maybe actually do would be to to get rid of the crazy rule about needing sets to be able to start dusting like in the hearthstone system I still think Hearthstone is way too complicated and convoluted, but you can calculate every pack I open, I'm going to get, I think it's like 40 dust on average or something. So you can know, like, if I buy this many packs, I'll get this much dust. Sure, there's variance, but if I open enough, it equals out. I can use that dust to get it to your deck. So you can, in a roundabout way, buy, buy a deck. It requires opening tons of packs, but you can, like, do the math and figure it out. On Arena, it's very complicated by the fact that you don't, that dust doesn't start accumulating until you have play sets of stuff. So your first 100 packs get you zero dust. And then after you start to get play sets of stuff, the dust starts to slowly increase until you have playsets sets of everything. And then every pack you open is just pure dust value going towards the cards you need.
1: Yeah, I think they should just do training. Uh, <laughs> I think trading and dusting. So if, if you're in a hurry, you don't want to trade, then just dust your stuff at. You know, dusting is basically buy listing, right? It's like you get what you need, but it's at a reduced rate. If you want to get full value, then you go for a trade uh, because that just appeals to a different set of people. Like in paper, not everyone is a super spiky player. Not everyone is a brewer. Some people just do trading. Some people just do collecting. And you're kind of just kicking all these people off of, of Arena, basically. Uh, you're, you're saying on Arena, the only thing that matters is gameplay, no trading, no collecting, no finance, all that stuff. So if you just add trading back in, it lets people trade, lets them get good deals and stuff like that. You know, if you don't have a lot of money but a lot of time, you can go bargain hunting uh, with a good trade or something. Whereas with the Vault Meter, well you just use the vault meter. It doesn't matter how long you spend or how much you outsmart the system. It's basically the same thing. So I think adding and trading uh, could work. And apparently a lot of people like trading. I mean, I don't personally care for it, but a lot of people like to trade. So maybe adding some kind of clever way to trade. Like, I still don't like the moto way where you got to search the classifieds, see the person's not busy, (laughs) message them, bargain. That's like too complicated. If we could just do automatic, like, matching or something like i want a blood moon when someone has a blood moon i'll send them you know an ensnaring bridge or something right like
0: yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, Hex uses that kind of system. I think they have a real economy, but basically, you don't have to be online. Like, if you have a, I think it would be more like the auction house example, but you should be able to just be like, I have a blood moon, I want, I don't know, <laughs> whatever gems and whatever it is converts to money. I want a, a 10, 1000 10,000 gems for it or whatever, and then if someone else is like, huh, I, I need a blood moon, I'll pay 10,000 gems, it just automatically does the the trade you get the gems you can use the gems to get your own stuff and uh i don't know hopefully hopefully wizards listens to feedback and like i said fingers crossed we don't know the dusting rates it's possible that wizards is super generous and this system will work out like if you're getting enough wild cards this system as it is could be playable but i'm really worried that if it's not a really heavy rate of wild cards it's going to be really hard to build decks yeah i i
1: I've said it before. I think they're going to be super generous in the beginning. You know, after every game, get a wild card, right? And then over time, they'll slowly reduce the rates. And once everyone is hooked, once Moto is dead, everyone's on the platform, they'll be less generous to incentivize more pack buying. Because at the end of the day, this is all a big ruse to get you to spend money and buy packs, right? Their job is not to make magic cheap, right? Their job is to extract as much money out of you as possible. And they know they can get a lot of money out of us. We're magic players, right? $500 for standard deck? Whatever, let's go, right? So <laughs> so they're going to slowly up it until they get to that point.
0: And... I- I'm, I mean, this might be tinfoil hat, yeah, but I think that's the reason why you can't dust cards till you have a playset. Like, they could say, oh, we want you to keep four copies of Shining Aeriosaur because we're going to make a format where well, you need that someday. But I think the real reason is, if you got to have playsets of everything, that's a lot more packs you got to <laughs> buy before you get to the point of dusting. Like, it locks you into buying more packs, so I don't know. That, that's my thinking of it. I don't really buy the, oh, you need to keep all those cards because it feels bad, and we got got to protect you from yourself because you'll dust something that you'll want someday. Yeah,
1: they, they, they gotta accidentally drop the truth. It's like, yeah, we have to add the vault meter because the Hasbro shareholders will fire us otherwise. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get fired this week. I, I need to increase revenue, and what better way than to, instead of having to have one card, have four cards. That's a 4x increase in revenue, my friends.
0: <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Oh, uh, well, arena.
0: Any any other arena thoughts, Richard? Before we move forward to fish Bail?
1: No, it's all speculative. We don't know anything until they re- they release the rates, and I I suspect they won't release the rates until actual release.
0: So will they release the rates? I don't think so.
1: Like, would you play? Would you pay real money uh, to to play the beta? Like, probably not, right? So there's there's no way they can grab actual metrics. Like, if they make a pack say two dollars versus a dollar fifty, what would their You know, what would their sales look like? And there's no way to predict that. So why would they release the rates? They'd only release the rates to gauge uh, customer feedback. And I can guarantee you whatever they release, people will complain. (laughs) <laughs> so so it doesn't even matter, right? So they might as well just release it live. That's I think they'll go with that.
0: So we gotta basically wait till it releases, and then wait for people to start opening tons of packs, and then we can calculate ourselves, like, oh, you get a mythic wild card every so many packs or whatever.
1: I think they'll release, like, the drop rates, but they won't release the, the gem price of packs, or the gold price of packs, until... Until, like, basically release, or like maybe a week before release or something.
0: And we don't know when that is, right? They nope. still, there's still no real dates in mind. It seems like, if anything, they're running a little slower than I hoped. I guess, like, Limited was supposed to be up a month ago, and hopefully, it's coming up in a, the next update or something they said. So, do we have any idea when the actual release would be?
1: When it's ready. How long did it take them to do leagues, Seth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're saying about five or six years from now, we should have the release of Magic Arena.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I just hope they do it properly. I hope they don't get pressured, rush, kill Moto by releasing Arena, but have Arena be mediocre. <laughs> like if if you're yeah, going to kill Moto, it, it's got to be like a slam dunk at least, right? But if, it's, if you just have two mediocre dying products, it's like not good. So hopefully they, they get it done right
0: yeah that's that's what I hope so too and honestly, I know I complain a lot and i I have enjoyed magic online for a long time and used it for a long time so I'm coming at the whole arena thing from someone who has a long history with Mag- magic's digital products, and the history has been very mixed so I'm skeptical of this stuff naturally because of those experiences, but I really do hope it's awesome like I think the best thing for everyone is arena is amazing and tons of new people start playing magic and they're interested in magic content and going to magic websites and buying paper magic cards. And like, that's, that's the best for everyone. So even though I know I come across sometimes a little bit, a little bit skeptical and harsh, like I really would like to see it succeed if it is as amazing as it could be.
1: Yep. Well said, but there's no place for that on this podcast, Seth. We can only complain <laughs> about Magic Digital. <laughs> we can only complain about uh, Magic Digital because they always give us stuff to complain about. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: well, let's move on. We got a bunch of fish mail. I think, uh, I think it's about that time. So if you want your fish mail messages answered in red, make sure to send them in on Twitter. Hashtag MTG And Richard, take it away.
1: All right. Drew Forsythe2. Seth, can you describe how posting deck lists enables brewing new decks? Wouldn't the absence of information force a system where everyone has to try a lot of different decks? Uh,
0: so, basically... basically having more data out there, deck lists and uh, so forth, allow you to basically get new ideas and see what's working. This is especially relevant for metagame data. The best example of this recently was when they banned the cards last week. They posted metagame data showing that Green-Red Pummeler actually had a favorable matchup against both Robin on Bread and against the Energy decks, but We didn't know that because we didn't have the data. We don't even have a good metagame picture. So it's possible that if we had that information and knew like, oh, we need to explore this shell more and people started working on it, that maybe that could have... Benedict deck that could have beaten Raman and right Energy and alleviated the need for banning. So I think that that is, uh, that is one of the the big things that we're missing out on on the current system. And the current system doesn't stop people from just grabbing a net deck and playing it. Like, that's one of the arguments here on the other side. But we still have enough lists that you can still just go to the Goldfish metagame page and be like, oh, this is the best deck in Standard. It's listed on the top of the page. Click the button, buy it, start playing it. So it doesn't prevent people from playing the best deck, but the lack of information means it it's harder to find those decks that are below the radar that might be able to compete with their best decks.
1: Yeah, I just want to add to that. There there are Brewers and there are Tuners. So Brewers kind of just build a deck out of nothing, and then Tuners take kind of a rough shell that Brewers usually make and fine-tune it and make it work you know, immaculately as a Tier 1 deck. So without the base data to start with, the Tuners have nothing to do, right? So, you know... I'll. If you have all the decks available, then you can get the tuners working on the decks and then you can take maybe say Merfolk, which is not tier one yet. And maybe if you just swap out six cards, it's suddenly the best deck ever. Uh, So having more information allows you to do that easier. Uh, Next question, Suntail Hawkins, what would be a balanced damage to converted mana cost ratio for a direct damage infect card? One mana for one poison? uh poison lightning bolt (laughs) what is the best what is the most balanced one shock lightning bolt uh what's a one mana one damage like gut shot
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah i guess i mean it seems like now two mana for three damage is kind of like the baseline i would say with like lightning strike type stuff uh, but, in fact, I'm assuming this can hit creatures, too, so it can, like, k- uh, kill a creature or go face. If it's just going face, I think you could have, like, eh, at least two infect for one mana. Maybe even, like, an infect Lava Spike would be okay. No, no, no. It has
1: to be, like, one. Because you would just, whatever this card is called, hit them to the face, snap cast or hit them to the face. If it was two damage, uh, that would be four infect. Right? I-, I think the way to look at it is if you have 10 infect and 20 life, just half of what's acceptable for direct damage. If Lightning Bolt is pretty good, then 1.5 is probably where you want to be, and you can't have 0. 0.5, so round down <laughs> to 1. Snapcaster makes this all terrible. Like I don't think you can have one card just kill someone.
0: I think it would be okay if it couldn't hit creatures. I think you could have one mana, two, your opponent gets two poison counters, but if it could hit creatures like a shock, then that would be too good. If it could hit creatures, it would probably have to be uh one for one mana or something like that
1: oh, but, you know, but they probably uh, just should not <laughs> i can't imagine lightning bolt as an infect card
0: <laughs> yeah they should probably just not print yeah. this card in infect infect is
1: gone. they're not they're not doing it again <laughs> uh 69 griggs 420 so in your opinion should wasi give up on artifact themed blocks they're like 100 percent batting average in printing incredibly broken artifact blocks
0: yeah, they definitely have trouble with the artifact blocks. I don't want them to give up on it, but I think next time they do an artifact block, they have to be more careful than usual because it seems like something always goes wrong. I don't think there's ever been a artifact block that didn't end up with cards getting banned.
1: All right, Kid Panama, it seems reasonably easy to make mono-red budget modern deck thanks to the mono-mountain mana base. Seth, can we do something similar for mono-white and mono-planes?
0: Uh, yeah, you can play, like, Mono White Soldiers, which is a... It's a reasonable budget option. Uh, so, yeah, you can definitely do something like that.
1: Alright, next question. Dickie Thompson. Richard, as a Tron player, I understand from Jun the Hatred, but I don't get the Blood Sun hype. It feels like an overcost of 50 Needle at worst, a Choke S card at best. It will stop Valakate or Titan Breach. Uh, I meant to send this two weeks ago when you talked about it on the podcast, but I forgot. Uh, yeah, I think... I think this comment is right. So in response to when we said that, I think in the modern video and also on the podcast, a lot of people said that for Tron, it's win more because uh, it's only good in the matchups you're already good against. And it doesn't help you in the matchups that you're going to lose against, like aggro decks and stuff like that. Uh, so maybe it is a win more card. Maybe Tron doesn't actually need it because when it's good, they're already winning and it doesn't matter. And that's not where the problem of the deck lies. So I can see that as being valid. And I don't know because I I would never stoop as low as to play Tron myself to figure this out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with all the Tron players out there. I'm just kidding. Tron players are are people too.
0: Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> o- only when
1: they don't naturally just turn three Tron for no reason and then top deck Karn uh next question Camchin man i know summer bloom is dead but could B- blood sun replace it the Keru lands were good because you could play the bounce lines of summer bloom but that with that gone can blood sun replace it
0: i don't think i see the comparison between blood sun and uh and summer bloom i think blood sun could be additional copies of Amulet of figure, uh, apparently. Like, that would be where I would see that. So, if you needed more than four copies of Amulet, then maybe it could work there. But it doesn't give you additional land drops or anything. So, I don't think it can really replace Summer Bloom.
1: All right. Next question from the Narwhale Isn't the answer to Team Your Energy a standard legal FM card that reads Grounding Rod 2? Two- or cost to, it's an artifact. Energy counters are discarded at the end of each player's end step. Would balance out teamer energy and get people to M at the same
0: time. That's an interesting idea. I know they mentioned putting cards into the format like that, but decided against it. I think it was back with the Etherworks Marvel banning, just like being like, hey, Pithy Needle's legal and standard now, everyone. Uh, so it's an interesting idea. As far as the card itself, that, that would power down energy. Whether or not it would be enough, I'm not 100% sure, but... Maybe.
1: Yeah, well, what do you think? Uh, this is also the second part of Narwhal's question, but what do you think about using FNM promos as a way to add cards to standard?
0: It's a cool idea. I think one of the problems you run into is if they're actually new cards and not reprints, uh, they would probably be very expensive because of supply issues. Like, imagine the Scarab God if it was only an FNM promo. So I really dislike never-printed-before cards uh, that... Uh, are only put into Magic. I don't think they've ever done it before from a product like that, but if they wanted Pithing Needle in Standard, let's say, or some other reprint, then I would be fine with it. I think that would be fine, or maybe even good.
1: All right, next question. D. Phillips 83 could Watsu release new sets digitally uh, on Arena and Moto first and then print the cards? Uh,
0: I mean, they could. Uh. I think Wizards values the paper game... Above digital at this point, so I don't think they will. What,
1: what do you think of the the actual release this time, where they released Moto before paper pre releases? You could actually play Magic Online, Rivals of Excellence. Yeah,
0: I liked it because I'm a Magic Online player. I know there was a little bit of debate because local game stores were like, oh, is this going to steal players away from the paper pre-release or is it going to generate hype and get more people to go out to the paper pre-release? So it would be interesting to see the data on that if it had any impact on the paper pre-release. But for a Moto player, it was great. Yeah,
1: I was. So I I went to the pre-release with friends, but if I was going to go by myself, I would have totally just sat home and did a Moto. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) they would have lost the customer to an LGS if, if that were the case uh mike caroza i know you've touched on this before with the success of the partner mechanic and commander do you suspect the next commander release might include a few legend partners in the 99 like what's the probability
0: uh it seems hard like how many partners can you really print before you end up breaking something it's arguable they almost maybe broke things doing it the first time so i'm not sure if if partner is a mechanic, you can have too many up without accidentally breaking stuff. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't know about partners anymore. They're they're too good. Maybe it's Tom's fault because he always plays partners, but <laughs> they're they're really cool. But they're just so strong. Like having an extra card to play, like having two cards out of the command zone, and you can mix and match your abilities. And I don't know if it's just because we lack four color commanders, uh, or you know, maybe that's the reason why everyone keeps playing partners, but partners is just everywhere and maybe it's a little bit of a mistake because they're just so good like i they're just so good that like why would you not play them and it's kind of pushing out the other commanders so so i don't know i really like it but may, maybe tone down the power a little bit uh next question fish cast mtg a sweet knight for foil fish now just need three negates it's a it's a picture of a foiled out legacy deck
0: Ooh, sweet. Uh,
1: Oh, no, it's a modern deck. No, I can't tell.
0: (laughs) Uh, Still sweet. (laughs) Jank
1: Master Z, just finished episode 155, you rock. How about being our announcement, we add five cards to the core set that can be hosers for whatever's ruining standard. They can be marked with the year and expire. Sell them as singles through LGSs for $2 each.
0: That could be interesting. Uh, I... Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I've wondered about doing like a, a ten card, always legal and standard, like supplemental product instead of like one of those horrible deck builder toolkits or something. Have like pithing needles and cards duress, cards that should just always be legal and let people buy them for ten bucks for a playset set of all of them or something.
1: What what about like a non rotating core set ever? It's <laughs> just like here here is the set of stuff, you know, like negate is always in here uh evolving wilds is always in here and just have it literally be legal for every standard without rotation I, w-
0: I like that if it's a i think it would have to be a small like maybe 20 cards or something i don't know if you could i would want 200 or 250 cards that were always legal but stuff like negate du- uh duress, that type of stuff i would think that would be a cool like
1: lightning bolt <laughs> counter spell <laughs> yeah all right we're on yeah. board <laughs> Uh Anthony Tracy84. What if standard adopted a rolling rotation? New set comes in, oldest set leaves, four rotation a year, while a set will be standard legal for two years.
0: Uh can you read that one more time? I think I missed something. So
1: we we rotate so when a new set comes in and o- the oldest set leaves. So you don't rotate blocks, you rotate sets.
0: Uh, okay. Um That might work with the new one set block system. I think it would be awkward to have parts of blocks rotating out cuz they're kind of designed to interact together but if everything is just one set blocks that would be a lot of rotations though that's a rotation like every 3 months which might be overkill for people to keep track of
1: Uh yeah it's not, it's not a rotation anymore it just like always happens like the format is always in flux so uh it makes brewing better but then it makes players have to keep getting new cards which they I'm always like.
0: amazed how few people know what's legal and standard at any given time even with one rotation here <laughs> like there's so many people who are like oh is that actually legal i didn't realize that so there's like whole websites dedicated <laughs> to just telling you if a card's legal and standard so i couldn't imagine that with rotations happening every three months
1: all right billy killed tony could it have been possible to fix energy by simply limiting the amount of energy you could have uh maybe stock up to six energy uh, at once making decisions how to spend energy and playing energy producers more difficult
0: i mean it would power it down a little bit i still think it would be pretty good you could i think it would just incentivize you to you obviously use your energy more quicker like play whirl of make a couple of opters, play the next one do it again so i don't know if it powers it down enough to make the deck fair but it would make it a little bit more fair
1: all right next question drew Forsyth. Seth, with both Energy and Tribal cards being parasitic, how should we gauge Parasitic cards so we don't end up back uh, with one particular mechanic slash deck ruling standard?
0: I don't... I mean, I guess Tribal's parasitic, but it doesn't seem parasitic to me in the uh, the same way as Energy was, where Energy was parasitic almost in a historic way, where even like your utility cards, Harness Lightnings, Attune with ethers, were pretty much energy back in the height of the deck. So at least with the tribal decks, you're playing other cards from other sets as your support cards.
1: All right, next question. Ex Capitano, Gilded Drake is the card I wished was not on the reserve list. What do you think it would do to standard slash modern? And what card do you wish to see in standard and modern the most? Seth, what does Gilded Drake do? <laughs>
0: uh, Gilded Drake, two-mana, three-three flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you basically exchange it with a creature your opponent controls.
1: Wait, that's on the reserve list? It is. Oh, we, we played that on, uh, Zedru
0: decks. So, I think it would not be very great in Standard. I think it would be okay, but a three-three flyer is still... That's a big thing to give your opponent in Standard, when you could just steal their creature for, like, five-mana with something directly. Uh... I think in modern it would maybe see. I don't even know. The only time I ever see this scene play is in Legacy, where uh, your opponent plays like a show and tell and puts in Emerald and you put in Gilded Drake to steal it. That's a, like sideboard tech for that matchup. So I don't know if it would actually see play.
1: Uh, all right. Uh, Miguel, Isamat, have you guys had a chance to spend time with Moto's. Or not Moto. <laughs> Arena's new economy? Just wondering if it's condu- conducive for. Streamers switching from Moto to Arena. Uh, Seth, have you actually played Arena?
0: I have not. I'm uh, trying to wait until after the NDA period is over because I spe- spent so much time talking about Magic. I know I would accidentally get myself in trouble and talk too much about it if I was NDA'd and playing it. Yeah,
1: so given what we know, do you think streamers should be switching from Moto to Arena? Uh,
0: uh, For standard, most likely, especially if Wizards actually does give people God accounts. Yeah. I think it looks better on screen. I think if you're, like, just starting out in streaming, it might be challenging to, like we were talking about earlier, get the cards you need to really play a different deck every day or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it looks better as far as being on the screen, which is probably a good thing for streaming.
1: Yeah, it'll be expensive to get all the cards, but I think everyone will be streaming Arena when they can because it just looks like a real video game <laughs> as opposed to Magic Online uh tony two two feet leon i'm probably butchering (laughs) that i'm pretty sure there's some words in there but i can't tell (laughs) (laughs) i believe the issue with standard is the aspect of not having core sets a great place to print needed removal slash hate to run out the format i feel that these sets can fix issues at hand your thoughts so was it the downfall or the removal of core sets that led to the downfall of standard and we're getting Corsets back, by the way.
0: Yeah, I think I contributed. And we'll. I guess we'll get a pretty good sense in another year or so once we have Corset back. If things fix themselves, then that would support that argument, too.
1: All right. Uh, Legendary Hero 7. Unsure this question we asked before, but just in case. If you could unban five cards in Modern, what would they be and why would you choose them? Also, what's the one card you never want to see unbanned for Modern?
0: Uh, oh, man. I know, my,
1: I know my answer for that last part. <laughs>
0: What what's your one card?
1: Jace. Jace. Every uh, time, every time I see someone suggest Jace, I shake my head. <laughs> they don't know what they're asking for and Seth, we recorded something with Jace. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, it'll be up soon and it did not go well. <laughs> it did not go well for me the non-Jace player. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Jace is a fine answer, although I think it really pales in comparison to like Skull Clamp or something. Like, there's some really busted oh, yeah, stuff. yeah, I, I guess. Blazing Shoal. But yeah, Jace probably, I'm coming around to it probably not being unbanned. On the other hand, as far as cards I would unban, uh, let's go Splinter Twin, Stoneforge Mystic, Bloodbraid Elf. Uh, now I'm kind of getting stuck past. Birthing I, Birthing pod birthing pod. And uh, maybe I think one artifact land, the blue one. So you can play it with Tezzeret, a uh, of the side nod. I think if you just unbanned one, it wouldn't break affinity too much, but it would be really powerful with like thirst for knowledge and Tezzeret decks.
1: All right. Uh, I agree with that list, and I, I also forgot there are things much more broken than Jace, but we just don't talk about them. <laughs> Jace is the one that actually is brought up as like a semi-serious thing. No one's seriously considering Skullclamp. <laughs> uh, Josh DeLucio won. What do you think the community? What do you think the community will remember about the two-set block era in five or ten years? Now that we are headed into large sets only.
0: I think it will be looked at, back on as probably the, the worst ti- one of the worst times in standards history.
1: No. Really? Because of all the bannings?
0: The bannings, the format wasn't great. Maybe the two-set block, potentially, like combined with the rotation changes going back and forth, maybe contributed to the fact there were so many bannings. So I don't think it'll be remembered fondly.
1: Ah, I I don't know. I think people remember fondly. I think I think five years from now, people remember it's like, oh, you know, creatures today suck so bad. Remember when you could hazaret into scare of God? That was that was the dream. <laughs> because if you just look back slightly, people are, are fond of collected company and siege rhino now. People long for the days of slamming siege rhinos into each other when we forgot <laughs> how much we hated that. So people tend to look back fondly. So I don't think it will be the the most hated period. I think will look back and be like, "Remember when you could like attack with a two mana three three flying and loot, and it couldn't be <laughs> yeah. hit by sorcery speed spells?" I think, I think, I think people look back fondly yeah. regardless. Oh, yeah,
0: Re- remember how much fun it was to have Emerkel steal your turn and cast all your cards to kill your own yeah. creatures? That, that was my the best time. I feel like
1: new <laughs> players don't understand what it's like to control <laughs> other people's turns. That's like the dream, right? Like,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so I actually think people will still. Enjoy this era of Magic when they look back, because at the end of the day, even though your deck is getting wrecked or whatever, you're still hanging out with friends, you're still having a good time, you're still playing this game, and I think most That's people true. overall will look back fondly. Uh, Steve Monty two one five, I get how the value of cards is somewhat dictated/slash capped by the price of a booster. Uh, sorry, of a booster box, but how does this work with Moto value?
0: Uh, I mean Moto value is basically the same. A uh, booster box is just uh, a collection of booster packs essentially so the problem is in moto it's never really usually even close but uh, yeah it's the same way the cards from a booster pack couldn't really be worth more than a booster pack because then people will crack the booster pack sell the cards to make a profit driving down prices by increasing supply so it, it works the same way essentially
1: yeah and uh, prices are kept up by the fact that you can take standard sets and redeem them for physical paper uh cards. So if prices are too low, people just buy them all on Magic Online and then transform them into paper cards. So there is a mechanism to switch from magic online cards to paper cards, which also keeps the price at a certain level. Yep. Uh next question Anthem, what is your favorite degenerate deck to play? Any format?
0: Uh probably free win red. Just turn one Blood Moon. That's that's my favorite thing to do in all of magic. Does,
1: does Death Shadows count? That's the most degenerate <laughs> deck I'll play. <laughs> uh uh, I don't know. I don't like. I don't like combo decks. <laughs> Tarmoglyph is the most degenerate thing I'll do, which is ironically the fairest card in existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Trency, my Vorthos needs to know who's bigger: the Ur Dragon or Nicol Bolas? Isn't it the Ur Dragon? The Ur Dragon is like it's like Godzilla size or something. They're they're like tiny specks of dragons in the picture, right? Yeah. And the Nicol Bolas is just a normal dragon
0: i've never i've never thought about the size of of the dragons of magic uh
1: yeah if you look at the ore dragon it's significantly larger than the typical dragon like they're like they're like really small compared to him so i'm gonna say the ore dragon but since nickel bulls is a planeswalker he can probably just make himself arbitrarily large (laughs) (laughs) and you know if there was a size contest he would win uh canadian crawler seth i read your post about walmart selling intro packs for ten dollars here in Calgary, there are quite a few LGSs that sell them for 20. Is there a process to report them to Watsi? Uh
0: So just so it's clear, these are the 30-card welcome decks that I was talking about. So um, be clear about that. I believe that you can report your local game store. I don't know the link off the top of my head, but I know there is a way to do it through the internet. So uh, maybe send me a tweet or something. I'll dig around and see if I can find the link for you. But there definitely is. And if they're selling the give these away for free to people things for $20, uh, that probably would be worth mentioning because that, that's pretty sketchy.
1: Uh, Orlov 31 do you think Huatli Radiant Champion was originally going to be another Ajani, but changed during development to the Gatewatch Fatigue? Whatley's abilities are very Johnny like
0: uh possible I think that's a possibility wasn't there like art with, with a Johnny on Ixalan, or no am I misremembering
1: yeah I there, there was a leaked product image from last year with with the art I yeah think.
0: so i think i I think it's a possibility that it was originally supposed to be an Johnny especially since we already had a watley in the first set it would make sense that that one would have been a Johnny, but then people freaked out about the Gatewatch and they changed it.
1: Yeah, I actually kind of like that theory. I, I I don't know. I mean, was it really better that we got another Hotly instead of a, a Gatewatch member? <laughs> people are like, really another one? We just we just <laughs> have her. She's still legal. <laughs> uh, Mono green Stompy. Hey guys, do you think Golden Demise and Absent Tokens a sideboard or how good do you think it is? A lot of standard seems to be at two toughness. I've been running. It as a two of it. It seems to be working well.
0: I've been playing Golden dis- demise in all of my black deck sideboards, even discounting being able to turn on ascend. And, and I think it's really good. Definitely deserving of a sideboard slot.
1: Wait, what? what cards is that? Is that the dis disfigure uh, or what's Golden demise? Uh,
0: it's a uh, basically an infest. Everything gets negative two, negative two. okay. If you have ascend, it only hits your opponent's stuff.
1: Uh, next question. Dr. Viet, do you think physical booster packs should have MTG Arena Redemption codes for online currency, just like Pokemon?
0: Um, I'd rather just see them implement trading, but uh, I guess that would be another possibility.
1: Uh, next question. Orcish veteran Watsi pushing Legacy this year. Two possible outcomes. Format becomes more expensive due to new demand, or they find a way around the reserve list. Wait, why why is Watsi pushing Legacy this year? Have we...
0: Well, they have the... They have the Pro Tour, the Team Pro Tour, which actually has Legacy on the Pro Tour for the first time. I don't know if that counts as pushing Legacy, but uh, compared to what they normally do with Legacy, I guess it's a push. Yeah. I still think they'll get rid of the reserve list eventually, uh, whether that'll be this year. Probably not, but I do think it will happen sooner or later. No, there's
1: no way they're doing that. <laughs> they're they're going to sweep <laughs> Legacy under the rug. In, in the same way we talk about Vintage now, we'll talk about Legacy in a couple of years. Where it's like, yeah, there's this format, only weirdos play it. <laughs> you know, like, you can't afford any of the cards, and, you know, we'll, we'll just observe matches from time to time. But there's no reason for them to kill the reserve list and open that can of worms. Uh, Samson533, why does Watsi use paid queues for competitive play on Moto? There's free play, but why no ranked competitive free play? people pay for cards is that not enough revenue why is the economy of hearthstone so different
0: uh mostly because magic online stuff actually is worth real money compared to hearthstone so if if you're looking for that they've already said that that's going to be on arena so if uh if that's the style you're looking for arena will definitely have free ranked play options yeah and and
1: moto was made in an era of people didn't trust putting money into digital products so everything uh has like money tied to it i agree with you i I think paying money to just play a match is absurd given that we had to pay for all the cards so i i will welcome the new ranked ladder and people getting salty and saying why do i keep getting matched up with worse opponents but then losing (laughs) (laughs) what is my mmr and how do i how do i climb out of silver and all those kind of problems that come with the ladder but those are free problems as opposed to today, where you gotta have to pay for every match on magic online uh last question, Bruno Alzaguire. do you guys think a format based on card slash deck price is viable?
0: Mm, no i don't I don't think so. I think maybe you could have like a budget format where you're like your total deck has to be under x dollars. I don't think that would be viable from a tournament perspective, but I think that you could make that format and it would work for you and your friends. But as far, I mean, they have like Penny Dreadful on Magic Online and the prices just change so much that it's unappealing for me. It's hard to know what's legal in the format at any given time. So I think that that's the big challenge is prices are always changing, which is a natural barrier to that kind of format.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'd ever be a real format because Wizards can't acknowledge card prices. I think the closest you'll get is Popper. Or uh, I guess the magic duels format where you say something like your deck can contain at most five rares or five mythics or something like that and restrict it based on rarity. But I don't think you could ever say $10, $100 or something like that because wizards will never support, you know, stapling prices to cards. Yep. All right, that's all our questions this week. Thank you, everyone, for sending them in. If you have any questions, send them to the hashtag mdgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air.
0: Well, that was a long one, Richard. I think we ran a little bit over time. So anything else on the way out the door today?
1: Uh, No, we have Pro Tour in two weeks, right?
0: Two weeks. Two
1: weeks, Modern Pro Tour. Uh, Do we have a big standard event? When's the next standard event, Seth? Is there a standard event ever?
0: (laughs) Uh i do not believe there is a standard event until after the pro tour uh there's not a gp until after the pro tour uh limited if there is a gp next weekend and i believe that the next scg event is modern and then they take a week off for the pro tour so i think we're looking at a few weeks until we have a big standard event i guess like scg classics maybe are kind of big but no gp scg open level stuff for a few weeks still
1: yeah, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about all of this. I, I want to see a big standard tournament to get hyped. <laughs> I, I I know all the brewers are loving it, but as an observer, there's like nothing to watch.
0: <laughs> it felt really weird to me that Wizards... Uh, they normally don't want to have the GPs before the Pro Tour be the same format of the Pro Tour, because pros don't want to like, spoil their tech or whatever. But since the Pro Tour is modern, it seems like they could have had, this past weekend, been a standard GP with the new format.
1: Yeah. So, so it is what it is. I guess we'll just have to keep an eye out for Magic Online results and uh, see what's going on with Arena. Uh, Do you think they'll give us any more information soon, or do you think they had enough with the people complaining? (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh i think it's gonna be a bit i think we'll they keep doing the streams and showing off like gameplay and the changes that they've made but i think before we get real economy answers i expect that it's i don't think anything's impending on that uh,
1: i'm still tempted to play i really want to play it but like seth i just don't want to accidentally spill things with the nda so i'm waiting for the open beta but uh, i just i just want to see the dinosaur animations that's all i want to see <laughs> oh, man.
0: That's that's the other reason I'm not in the betas. I don't want to see the dinosaur <laughs> Come on, Seth.
1: I want to see a big merfolk, like, splash onto my screen.
0: <laughs> it's got to be coming soon, because originally they had said the start of 2018 is when they were going to have streaming going and open beta. so I assume they're a little bit behind schedule, but I also assume that it's probably not that far in the future that we'll be to that point. Yep. Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of episode 156 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So thanks, everyone, for hanging out. We'll be back next week to talk Pro Tour Preview and all that fun stuff. So until then, have a wonderful week, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon.